Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Hi, this is Kent Hunter, and uh, I'm very excited about our next episode in this journey about evangelism and witnessing and sharing our faith and all this stuff that, well, not many Christians do. And this has the potential to blow the church wide open, not in an explosive way like a negative thing, but as a positive way to reach people for Jesus. In episode two, our last episode, we looked at the evangelism committee catastrophe. Almost every church has an evangelism committee or some board or team or program that has to do with evangelism. What they usually do these people that are on this board or team, is talk about marketing the church, the institution. And they talk about the church sign, the website, or they'll talk about witnessing and evangelism. But what they don't do is they usually don't share their faith. They don't do evangelism with unbelievers. Most of the time, they sit in some room at the church and just talk about this stuff. And so, We also talked about in the last episode about the fact that some people have the gift of evangelism, which is about 10% of those that you usually find in a church. Not everybody, but about one out of 10 have the gift of evangelism. Also, then some have the call to be an evangelist. And those that have this call or this gift, they should be out there among unbelievers all the time, except for worship and Bible study. These folks ought to do nothing else at the church. It would be a terrible waste of their time to do any kind of ministry at the church. Because at the church, we got the believers. And so we want to look out to the world. And that's where these folks should be doing most of their ministry. Most of their effort for God should be among unbelievers. Because these guys are gifted. These evangelists, those people that have that gift, are gifted to spend most of their time among unchurched people. Oh my goodness, to quarantine them in a committee is about the worst thing anybody could ever think about doing. And they should also be training others that have discovered they have that spiritual gift, and they should be doing that out there in the community, out there among unbelievers. They should be doing on-the-job equipping of other people who discover they have this gift of evangelism, or they have the call to be an evangelist who is someone who is a leader of leaders among people, a leader of people who share their faith to those who are unbelievers. So that's 10%. What about the rest of us? Well, including me, 90% of us in most churches do not have the spiritual gift of evangelism or the call to be an evangelist. This isn't something just in families or whatever. I don't have the gift of evangelist very clearly, but my son does, and that's just the gift that God gave him. And it's different. It's a different gift mix than what I have. It's not inherited. This is given by the Holy Spirit. And it's very important to recognize that. So I don't feel bad about saying, yeah, I'm part of the 90% of those people in churches who do not have the gift of evangelism. I have other gifts, and that's fine. The big deal is discover what gifts you have and put yourself in ministries where you use the gifts that God's given to you. God is way smarter than the rest of us. And so I'm not jealous of my son's gift. I'm glad he has it. It's marvelous to watch those people that have the gift of evangelism use that gift. It's just amazing. I have a friend by the name of Frank 
who has that gift. And when I discovered he had that gift, I added him to our staff at my first church. And it was great. I said, Frank, don't spend any time in the office. You know, hang up your coat, you know, when you have to go to a meeting here or something or whatever. But for the most time, just get out there on the street and uh, do your thing. Do what God has gifted you to do. And he was very effective out there. Very effective. So the 90%, the rest of us, we have the role of witnessing. To every gift, there is a corresponding role. What that means is I may not spend 100% of my time sharing the gospel out there evangelizing people because I don't have the gift. However, that doesn't mean if I get on a plane and some guy says, oh, I'm just having a terrible time in life, and I talk to him a little bit and he tells me a story. Let's say this guy next to me on a plane says, well, you know, what do you believe? What am I going to say? Oh, sorry, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so go to hell. Well, I wouldn't say that, but that sort of be the implication, right? Never would I do that because those of us who don't have the gift have the corresponding role of witnessing. And it's not the same way, and the delivery system is totally different. So as the role of a witness, I would share with that guy on the plane. In fact, I've done it many times. Well, let's look at our subject for this episode called Eyewitness. And that's not spelled E-Y-E, as I mentioned in the last episode. It is spelled with an I, capital I, eyewitness. But it is a phrase, eyewitness, that has a double meaning. Because we have seen Jesus in our lives, we have experienced God working in our lives. So I have seen, but I am a witness. Kind of a double meaning. So this is for the 90% of the rest of us who don't have that spiritual gift of evangelism. But first I want to talk about why don't Christians share their faith at all? Why don't the 90% ever witness their faith to someone else? Well, our research has shown that there are five major reasons. Number one, there's the fear of rejection. And you know what? That's natural. It isn't wrong to have the fear of rejection. In fact, there's something wrong with you. If you love rejection, you should see a counselor. If you love rejection or become a prosecuting attorney, that's another possibility. I'm just kidding about that. Another attorney joke. But truthfully, it isn't healthy to be rejected. And so it's natural to have that fear of rejection. Now, the people that don't have the fear of rejection are usually those people that have the gift of evangelist. But for the rest of us, yeah, that's one of the reasons we might back off a little bit and say, witness my faith. I don't think so. Not me. That's number one, the fear of rejection. Number two is the false belief that people who don't go to church are not in the least interested in hearing anything about a spiritual conversation. And that's wrong. That is totally wrong. Our research shows that people are a lot more open than most Christians believe they are. And I'll tell you why most Christians get this wrong and don't understand reality. Because the media has taught you that people don't care anything about God, the church, your faith, or anything connected. And that is absolutely 
the enemy's lie. And the media likes to share that in so many subtle ways. They've got you duped. At least many people are duped about that issue. Well, the truth is, it's not accurate. Most people have some interest in spiritual matters. So that's the second reason, and it's not accurate. The third reason why people don't want to get involved in sharing their faith is they have a lack of confidence in Bible knowledge. They have no ability to remember chapter and verse from the scripture and kind of make a point or kind of give a little sermon type thing to someone else. But you know what? In witnessing, this is going to sound funny, but in witnessing, sharing chapter and verse from scripture is the last thing you want to do. Now, if you're an evangelist, oh yeah, you might do that. And you would have the gift to do that in the right way at the right time, and you'd be fine with it. And so would the other person. But for the 90% of us that have not the gift of evangelism, but have the role of witnessing, as we share our witnessing, we do not want to quote chapter and verse from scripture. First of all, we're not gifted to do that in most cases. And most of the people that we witness to, not evangelize, but we witness to, are not ready to hear chapter and verse about the scripture. Why? Because it sounds too much like a sermon. They wanted to hear that. They'd be in church, and they aren't. That's the point. Number four on my list of why people don't share their faith is that they think it's a pastor's job or the staff of the church to talk about spiritual matters with unbelievers. But here's the deal. Pastors don't know the people you know. They don't work with the people you work with at your job. They don't know those people. They don't know your neighbor who is not a Christian. They don't know some of your relatives because these people who don't believe don't go to church. So some of your friends, some of your fellow workers, some maybe where you go to school, some of your fellow classmates, those people in your social network, your pastor doesn't know those people. They don't come to church, so how could your pastor know? How could the staff know those people? And so it's really a mistake to think that the staff, they're the ones that are going to grow the church. It doesn't happen that way. And number five, which will introduce this whole episode, number five on my list, a lot of people who don't share their faith, most of all, they don't understand what it really means to be a witness. That's why they get so much of this wrong. So let's dive into this. The New Testament has two categories for sharing the faith. And we've talked about this before, but let's make sure we're clear. One of them is the concept of evangelist, which is a calling, or evangelism, which is a spiritual gift. And so most biblical scholars understand about spiritual gifts. Most Christians honestly have never heard about it, but it's all over the New Testament. Now in Ephesians 4, it says God gave spiritual gifts to the church. And these special leadership gifts are listed as apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And these five areas are unique because they are the people who equip God's people, all the rest of the people, for the work of ministry. So it really means that those five people, those five roles, those five gifts apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, they are specialists who equip all the rest of us to do the work of ministry. Do they? 
Well, I'd love to say absolutely that's always the case. The truth is, in most churches, those people that have those gifts do the ministry and don't equip others at all. And so Christianity becomes stalled. And this is a big issue. This is a terrible challenge for the church today. These guys are equippers, and each has this leadership gift, but it only represents 10% of the people. Nowhere in Scripture does it say all Christians or any person who believes in God can go out and do evangelism like those that have the gift. But there's this second category, and this second category is the category of witnessing, and this applies to every other Christian. No one is excluded, because here's what Jesus said to the crowds, to everybody. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you all, everybody out there, will be witnesses for me, witnesses of me. In your hometown, for those people, it was Jerusalem. For the bigger area, Judea, to people that are a different culture than you, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That includes the foreign mission fields. And you may go on a mission trip someday, or you might be called to be a missionary. So witnessing is not evangelism. Evangelism might include witnessing, but it is much more than that. But witnessing does not include the gift of evangelism. Witnessing, get this clear, witnessing is simply telling your story. You know, like a witness in a courtroom. I'm sure you've seen on TV or somewhere, in a movie or whatever, maybe in person, in a courtroom, someone who was called to be a witness. And a witness is no big deal. This is not hard. A witness is just somebody who says, yep, I was there. It happened to me. I saw it up close and personal. That's being a witness. I was there. It happened to me. I saw it happen. It was up close and personal. And I've got a story to tell, and that story is my witness. So stop and think about this for a moment. How long have you been a believer, a Christ follower? What has God done in your life? Can you think of anything that you believe God has done in your life? When I was a kid, for example, my younger sister was born after I was old enough to remember it, and she was born with cerebral palsy. And my dad, who was not a churchgoer at the time, and I don't know whether he had any faith at all. There was no evidence of it. But when my sister was brought home, finally, after weeks and weeks at the hospital, as a baby just fighting for life, my father, I saw this, my father got down on his knees by his bed and prayed. I was, what, maybe, maybe eight years old? I'll never forget it. I could take you to that house where I grew up, and I could tell you exactly the spot. I could tell you the furniture the way it was arranged. I will never forget it as long as I live. That was a long time ago. My dad just was never very excited about Christianity. Now my mom, she was a practicing Christian. She did go to church regularly and she took me. I don't remember, truthfully, at that age whether we prayed at meals. I really don't know. However, after my sister was born, after my dad was shaken, unlike he had probably never been shaken before in his life, I saw a new trajectory in my dad's life. Because over time, 
he became the spiritual leader of our household. And he died young. He died when I was in college. No question. Nobody, no, not my pastor, not my mom, not my sister, not me, not anybody that knew my dad. And any question at his funeral, where he was, he was with Jesus because his life shined Christianity. And so there I was, a little guy, eight years old. I was there. I saw it. It happened to me. I was an eyewitness. And so it's a witness story I can share. And guess what? I just did. No big deal. So I have this story to tell. My dad was transformed from a nominal Christian, maybe not a Christian, maybe a Christian name only, maybe not, to a dynamic believer. And I have lots of stories to tell on that side of my dad's history as well. My dad continued to grow in faith and all through the hardships that occurred because of the health of my sister as she was growing up and through the faithful commitment of my church attending mother and my grandparents, all that stuff is part of that story. I was there. I saw it. I have a story to tell. You see, a witness is not somebody who preaches or gives a sermon. A witness is simply someone who tells another person their God stories. And they are. They're stories of what God has done, what God does, how God works, how God operates. They're just stories that occur in your life and God is working and things are happening and people are changed. So if you've been a Christian for what, more than a year, you probably have several God stories, perhaps dozens and dozens of God stories. Do you use them? Maybe, maybe not. Could you learn to use them? Absolutely. And as you do, you'll remember more God stories from your life and your history as a Christian, whether it's a short history or a long history, and you can start using those. You see, you don't need to know theology. You don't need to know Bible verses. Most people at the front end of their walk toward Jesus really don't want to hear a bunch of theological statements. Actually, it could turn them off more than turn them on. That's why we don't ever recommend when you have a friend that's becoming a Christian, starting that walk, God's beginning to impress upon their life. We don't ever recommend you take them to church. It sounds goofy, but it's true. Church is worship, and worship is for those who believe God. They trust God. They believe in God. They have God in their heart. That's why they want to worship. But somebody who's just starting out as an infant believer, they haven't grown to the spot where they want to worship. And we get this idea we're supposed to get their rear ends into a seat in the church. And that's not true. And we'll talk about that later on in this series. It is not a good strategy. It's overwhelming. It's basically spiritual culture shock to take somebody to church. I know that sounds pretty radical to some people, but honestly, it's a stupid idea to invite a non-church person to come to a worship service. It's like taking a leap that no one can endure. You crash halfway through. It's too big of a leap. So your God stories do not have to be smooth speeches or carefully worded talks. In fact, the truth is, they're more authentic when they're not rehearsed or polished. That's not a big deal. 
You can stumble through stuff. You can stutter. You just share. Let your heart, let God speak through your heart. The biggest issue that most people are challenged with is getting out of God's way and making it too much of a mental gymnastics. You just got to ask God to say, Lord, I want to let go and let you rule my conversation. And those people that are listening care nothing about how polished it is. They want to hear that it's real, that it's authentic, that you're really digging this out of your past and this is something that changed your life. What's really most important is not Bible verses and certainly not some polished sermonette, little tiny sermon, but the most important factor is the relationship you have with the person you're sharing your God story with. That's the key. And so, as you share that, your relationship, that platform of relationship, is the strongest element that God has given you. The second most valuable asset that you have is being totally authentic. Don't be afraid to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. It doesn't matter. If that's part of your story, you share it. Just like I shared about my dad. I remember my dad with a lot of love. This guy was not just my father, he was my friend. We did a lot of things together, and he's my hero. Probably one of the good reasons I went into the ministry was the change that took place with my dad. But I am not a bit hesitant to talk about where he was when I was that little kid at eight years old. He was not with God. It's just a fact, no big deal. Doesn't mean I love him less or he's less of my hero. It's where he ended that was important, not where he was. And so your second greatest value is just to be authentic, unrehearsed, and believe it or not, unpolished. Just be yourself. Be spontaneous because spontaneity and authenticity is powerful. Why? Because of the relationship you have with the person with whom you're sharing and the relationship you have with God and the Holy Spirit is going to work through you. So your best God stories are unrehearsed, spontaneous, authentic, real. Be real. So when someone you know, you have a relationship with, has a challenge in their life, if you run through the catalog in your mind of what you've been through in life, and if you have a somewhat similar, doesn't have to be exact, but a somewhat similar experience that led you to grow in your faith, then guess what? You have a powerful story to tell. Just tell it like it is. As we move along and up to episode four, I will share with you how you can launch a movement of witnessing in your church. You don't have to be the pastor. You don't have to be a leader in your church. You don't have to be a seminary graduate or have a theological degree. You can launch this movement in your church. And we'll discuss that in episode four. 
You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.